0: Hello, this is Martha DeGrasse here for Wi-Fi Alliance. And this is The Signal, our podcast where we give you the inside track on Wi-Fi. These are meant to be smart conversations with industry leaders. We want to deliver a new perspective on the growing portfolio of Wi-Fi technologies that we see changing the connectivity landscape. In this episode, we'll be talking about the benefits of Wi-Fi in dense public areas with John Brams. He is VP of Major Accounts at Extreme Networks. John, welcome to The Signal.
1: Martha, thanks for having me. Really looking forward to our conversation today.
0: Yeah, Stadium Wi-Fi came up on one of our previous episodes, and we didn't really have time to dive into the details, so I'm looking forward to doing that with you today. What are some of the major logistical challenges around providing Wi-Fi access in stadiums?
1: yeah it's it is a little bit of a challenge and it's something that you know we've been working on dating back to 2012 when we launched this business and and one of the reasons martha we did launch it was because of those challenges and we felt like at the time we knew it was a need we knew there were going to be a requirements around the the fan experience but we had to make sure that we addressed you know a lot of these logistical challenges and there are many of them the first one honestly, is architectural. If you look at these buildings and these stadiums and venues, some of them were built a hundred years ago. They weren't designed around thinking about technology and, and support and, or Wi-Fi for that matter, right? So it, it's a big challenge. Where do you install product antennas and access points so that you can give people an outstanding experience, but it can't impact that experience either. It, it can't look bad. It can't be a trip hazard. In some cases, best places you want to mount it are, are not allowed. There's restrictions and there's a lot of things we work through really that are just nuts and bolts, architectural type challenges. The other hard part about it is, I know this is going to sound funny, but there's a lot of people in a really small area. And as we know from a Wi-Fi perspective, that's one of the hardest things to solve is, is the high density aspects of this. And how do you, in hyper-dense Wi-Fi make things work well. And that was really one of the openings we saw in 2012 was how you design a technical solution to make sure you're solving for that and and allowing that to work in a really meaningful way. Another challenge is the funding aspect of it. These projects now today are mainstream, meaning you don't build a brand new building without thinking about how you're going to solve for Wi-Fi and the connectivity side of it. But even if you look at the collegiate market, still about 80% of those venues don't have Wi-Fi in them. So they're still trying to solve that issue. And a big part of that is if you're, for example, in a collegiate environment where you have six events a year in your football stadium, this is an expensive project. So you realize how important it is, but you need to be able to justify the expense. And I think you know, that's an area that people have really have really started to figure out in terms of monetization. And then finally, like I talked about, On the technology front, we've made several different iterations, and we'll talk today a little bit about, you know, Wi-Fi 6 and 6E and some of the benefits that are coming with that technology that have really made this solution both from a funding perspective reasonable, from an aesthetics perspective reasonable, um, but making sure that this technology is fully optimized now to to support, in some cases, 80% of the venue, people connecting these Wi-Fi networks.
0: Right, right. So getting back to what you were saying about some of the architectural challenges, some of the iconic stadiums that that may have restrictions on where you can place an AP, do you see that more with indoor venues, outdoor venues, or both?
1: It's both, you know, depending on the age of the building. That can be really challenging. we did a project at stanford university and, and in la at the coliseum which you know is i think around 100 years old that building and then fenway park for mlb oh my gosh you know some of these yeah. historical buildings that you you can't even touch the concrete for example so those are just challenges where it says you know there's just this is historical impact or there's building challenges with doing that but Indoor and outdoor do have sort of different types of challenges, right? Outdoor Mm -hmm. is some of the vastness of it in mounting points. Indoor has the same type of thing, but it is a little bit smaller. Ironically, what we'll see in the indoor side of things is if you think about from Wi-Fi, from a RF perspective, the nice thing about being outdoors, there's in a lot of cases, there aren't roofs on that building. You don't have reflection issues, right? Indoors, wherever you mount stuff, it's bouncing all over the place. So you can come up with this great design. And by having a roof on the building, it it actually creates some, some different challenges. The good thing about indoor is there tends to be more viable overhead mounting locations, you know, where you can go from up above or behind the person and, and spray or point the signal down. Again, in a lot of the outdoor buildings where they're bigger, or if you take, there's actually not smaller sections, right, that sort of stack on top of each other. It just makes the mounting point limitations really challenging. And that's why at Extreme we were one of the early adopters of doing what we call the underseat methodology. We're actually placing antennas and access points under seat. And we came up with a really predictive model. Our Wi-Fi 6 solution was actually the first solution to come out that's Wi-Fi 6 and designed to be put in an underseat. And if you can imagine what that looks like in a stadium environment, you have to be able to stand on it. You have to be able to be, you know, dump a beer on it. <laughs> you have to be able to withstand potentially all types of weather, meaning it can be 30 below. It can be 100 degrees. It can rain for five days. Uh, we built out several stadiums that went through named hurricanes as part of the process. So it's not only the, the technology and the propagation of the signal, it's the ability to withstand all the stuff that happens in, in, uniquely in a stadium environment.
0: Okay, Wi-Fi six under seats. Is there any other way that Wi-Fi six is impacting the large venues where you deploy?
1: Yeah, Wi-Fi six was definitely a game changer technology for us. You know, the previous versions of Wi-Fi certainly had their advantages, but we first introduced our Wi-Fi six technology itself did introduce some nice elements. One t- to it. One of the big things of Wi-Fi six was the multi-user MIMO aspects of that, which right. simply simply just meant that now users you know wi-fi is traditionally a person talks when that person's done talking to make this really simple then the next person can talk from a wi-fi perspective so wi-fi six did offer that capability to have the ability for multiple people to have that conversation at the same time as we move into 6e the huge benefit for 6e in the six gigahertz space is going to be now in these large public venues, right, we talked about a lot of people being there. The biggest challenge with Wi-Fi is getting what we call channel separation. So the ability to put these access points on different channels because they're just limited. The six gigahertz side of the space really opens up a huge space that just hasn't been available to this point, which is precisely what you need in in these high density, these large public venues. So we're, we're super excited. We were the early adopter, the leading with Wi-Fi 6, and we're going to do the same thing with 6E as those products come out very soon.
0: Excellent. All right. Now, a little bit earlier, you talked about monetization and how important that is for some of these venues as they approach the Wi-Fi decision. Can you explain about how analytics plays into that? I know that you are the NFL and MLB's Wi-Fi and Wi-Fi analytics provider. So can you tell us a little bit about what that means and how that plays into being able to monetize those Wi-Fi networks?
1: Yeah, for sure. It's it's a big part of it. So I mentioned we we launched this business back in 2012, and it was interesting. There are two main topics at that time. It was, hey, how the heck do we solve high density Wi-Fi, which we've talked about already a lot. But the other part of it is, we don't even know what's happening in our venues. That was literally our first conversation with the NFL, and they said, hey, help us be a good partner and solve Wi-Fi. We think you have a good plan around with that. The testing that we've done validates that. Extreme comes out number one every time in our testing. But the thing that we're struggling with is, tell us what's going on in these environments. What applications are people doing? When something happens in venue, how do they react? If we introduce a new concept or activation, what's the impact to Wi-Fi? We really do need to understand what's important to our users, what applications they're using, you know, the predictability in these environments. And that became a really big discussion point. And fortunately for us, it was always quarter our solution, meaning we always, had the technology to solve the Wi-Fi side of things, but we immediately, as part of our release with our solutions, we could also give insights and provide actionable insights so that, hey, if you see a person go from Snapchat or maybe they they go to post something on Facebook, I'm not necessarily going to say, hey, that's Martha doing that, but I'm going to say we know what individual users are doing and that's really valuable information to these organizations so they can they can optimize that, they can make meaningful business decisions going forward and and really provide people an outstanding game day experience. The other part I'll say of analytics is is how do we make these venues more efficient? So not just marketing aspects of it, but how do we deal with the flow of people in a venue? How do we make that more efficient? You know, do we see people aggregating at a specific site? Can we do better than that? So it's it's both operations, marketing, and then how do you optimize the Wi-Fi itself?
0: Okay, great. And what about data about what's actually happening during the game with the players and coaches? And, and I know that you also provide Wi-Fi for the NHL and Manchester United. So you've got a lot of different sports that, that you might be providing connectivity for the gameplay, actually, right?
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's you know specific to MLB, as an example. A relationship with MLB, as you mentioned, one of its analytics. They want to understand what's going on in this environment. MLB is a little bit unique because they have a centralized program where they offer Wi-Fi and analytics for roughly two-thirds of the MLB team. So it's centralized at the league level. The other 10 teams sort of do what they want. But as part of that, for all the teams, we worked with MLB, and they implemented a dugout in bullpen Wi-Fi. And that was really around you know the ability to provide real-time information in video. And they, in this case, they actually do it with iPods. And that gives the players and coaches real time. It was probably really noticeable in the playoffs where they're looking at these iPads, you know, trying to make decisions about seeing real time video of of pitches and batting. And that's the information. And the MLB wanted to make sure, because there's a competitive aspect to this, that everyone had access to the same information. And that's what we supply. And our analytics actually showed some interesting stuff. Typically speaking, and this probably isn't that surprising, the people that ended up using the technology a little bit more tend to be a little bit more successful in the field, right? Because they're using some of this information and analytics to do it. So that's our program with, with MLB. You know, in the case of NHL, our relationship with the NHL, which we just announced, as you mentioned, is really based around the same tenets we talked about with the NFL, which is, hey, we need analytics for our teams and at the league level for us to make decisions going forward. We need a trusted provider too, to put these solutions in. The other thing I'll mention too, that's a little unique when the NHL is, they also wanna make sure that the clubs and the individual arenas, that they're delivering fan experience to a certain level. So analytics at the league level becomes a way to share that back to the clubs and say, hey, this is what we're seeing across the league. This is what we're seeing specific to your venue. Here's areas that you're doing really well, and here's areas that you can improve on. So it becomes a little bit of a, a little bit of a compliance and in making sure that at the league level everyone is delivering up to those certain standards that the NHL provides. The final piece that I'll mention is you mentioned about is Manchester United, which the interesting thing about sort of Europe and the you know in the Premier League itself is. While the NFL and a lot of the pro sports in the U.S. market are very advanced, like it's almost a rare exception now to find a building that doesn't have public facing Wi-Fi. That's not the case in Europe and it's not the case across the Premier League. So when Man U saw the work we were doing in in sort of the U.S. markets, what we did in the NFL, um, their ownership team actually owns the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, which we did Wi-Fi and analytics as part of a Super Bowl. So they got to see what we did there. And as soon as they saw that, they wanted to be a leader in delivering that in the Premier League and be one of the first stadiums to offer that. So all the same stuff that I talked about is relevant for me and you. But they're, in some ways, they're really an early adopter and a really, really just a validation point of the work that we've done in the space.
0: That's really interesting about Europe. And you also mentioned that right here in the U.S., a lot of college stadiums don't have Wi-Fi yet. Can you tell us a little bit about some of the work that, that you've done with some of the college stadiums like Stanford that are putting in Wi-Fi networks?
1: Yeah, it is interesting. You know, uh, college campuses are some of the most advanced places in terms of offering Wi-Fi. Again, it's, it's usually ubiquitous coverage across a college campus. Not in their stadiums, though. Not in the venues. And it, it What's doesn't... What's up with that? <laughs> I know. It doesn't, it doesn't seem like it's very logical, but it, right. it, it is... It is harder in college because a lot of their facilities don't get used that often, right? And a lot of times athletics not the campus are controlling these venues. So it's not that they don't think they need Wi-Fi. It's trying to figure out exactly how they do and they sort of operationalize it. The other thing that didn't help them is COVID, right? You know, athletics in particular was was really hurt by a lot of these football programs that the majority of their revenue comes from football and that funds the rest of athletics for a lot of these schools. So when you get hit with COVID, that put back a lot of projects. That being said, we're in active dialogue with, I don't know, probably 50 plus <laughs> programs right now about what their plans okay. are for the space. But Stanford's a really good use case. They actually had an existing Wi-Fi system that they installed five or six years ago. That wasn't that wasn't an extreme solution. Um, they went through a process and said, hey, we need to address this. It's a the game day experience is not great. You certainly can't make a phone call. You certainly can't do anything on the application side. There's some initiatives that they wanted to do. So they they went went out and did a public RFP response and said, hey, we want to solve Wi-Fi not only in our football stadium, but we want to do an arena, which actually gets used quite a bit. We ended up getting awarded uh, the business. And, and a lot of that was based on the, the things, Martha, that you and I have already talked about, the experience we have in the space you know the analytic side of it was incredibly important to them as you can imagine at stanford they have some pretty advanced people around the analytics side of things so it became a big part of what they wanted to do and um yeah they had a ton of success rolling out wi-fi and, and football this year and uh yeah now utilizing in their arena too with their other sports so it's been a really successful launch for us
0: that's great yeah we could probably do a whole nother podcast on what they're doing with all their data. yeah for sure
1: <laughs> for sure
0: <laughs> All right. The last thing I wanted to ask you about is Wisconsin Center. That's a mixed-use venue, right?
1: Right. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. You know what's interesting about mixed-use, generically speaking, we're we're seeing this across the board, because even pure sports franchises, the big trend now in these spaces is to extend the experience beyond the arena or the stadium. And you have these concepts where, and like you see, for example, in the Wisconsin Center, where – across that whole venue, including their convention center, their arena, all these other elements that they're adding Wi-Fi. And that's really about having a common experience no matter where you go in the facility. And then extending beyond that, you know, where we, you know, you have these mixed use campuses that have become really, really interesting places to the same concepts we talked about. Ubiquitous Wi-Fi and then the ability to get, you know, meaningful analytics about the optimization and the monetization Of the network and using that data to make decisions and then being able to sell your facility in the case of wisconsin center they're trying to book outside people to come their facility a big part of their sales pitch is hey look at the technology we have it's going to be a great experience here here's how we optimize the technology specific to your application and that's a that's a huge trend we've seen in fact we were just talking to a pretty significant hospital organization in indiana that's building this new campus in, in downtown indianapolis and it's the same concept that we've seen in sports. It's the same concept we've seen in the case of the, the Wisconsin Center, where they're going to not only build you know different facilities on the healthcare side of it, they're doing a whole mixed-use campus on top of that. So it's, it's apartments and building and retail and expanding that experience. But again, having a common Wi-Fi connectivity experience about that, the ability to overlay the analytics to make meaningful decisions on top of that it's the same exact approach. So it's going beyond sports now. It's In my mind, it's gonna spread across all these other facilities, even outside of the traditional hospitality market into places like hospitals and other types of organizations. So it's a really, really neat trend.
0: All right, John Brams, VP Major Accounts at Extreme Networks. Thank you so much for joining us on The Signal.
1: Thanks, Martha, great to talk.
0: And that is our show. Thanks for listening to The Signal, and don't forget to check the show notes for more resources. And as always, for all things Wi-Fi Alliance, visit y-fi.org, that's wi-fi.org, or connect with us on social. Until next time, I'm Martha DeGrasse, and this has been The Signal. Thank you for listening.